back to Leo Roundtable. Anyhow, let's uh, start off here with a video, guys. I think we got two videos here, and this is the second half of the Leo Roundtable show. So we're on YouTube, and it's there's a uh, it's called uh, Officer Involved in Police Overwatch. So, uh, wow, well, we've got a, a lot of stuff on here. We've got a, a body cam of Mark Anthony Rodriguez shooting. It happened on January the 21st of this year. So uh, Mark Anthony Rodriguez was 41 years old, uh, Chief Newman. He was brandishing an imitation firearm, and the officers involved are Adrian Garcia and Jason Ariola. So this is LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department. So, and this is the video. Um, and, and again, you guys that are listening to us talk about the video, you can go to Facebook and get links to it, or watch the segments that producer Will is going to be putting up. But the main thing that I left hearing was the command that the officer was given. Very rarely did I ever hear a cop say gun. Um, he was saying, put that down, bro. Put that stuff down, bro. And just that's what he was saying. And uh, I don't know if anyone's got an issue with that or not, or if there would ever be an issue in court um, if the guy didn't put the gun down because he didn't know what SHIT stood for. But what do you think, Chief Newman? I was thinking the same thing, especially Ward, you know, in the last few weeks talking to us about certain cases that really matter as to what you say, what comes out of your mouth. I just like the beginning of the beginning of the of this video where the guy's got his gun out and he's standing on the sidewalk and that security guard not, not even paying attention to him and he's like working the gun and he's walking around like, dude, you guys got you got two two arm I, I they look like security personnel, not law enforcement. But, you know, I, I, obviously, I think the shooting's good. Obviously, the guy's armed. You know, you saw a previous video from it. But I was worried about his commands. I think that would be probably something, if they're going to criticize the officer at all, it would be to do a better job when he's articulating that. And I think I hear Ward, you know, in every year saying it matters what you say and how you say it. But uh, overall, I thought they did a good job. But, you know, it was, um, it was a weird situation seeing him walk around with a gun on the sidewalk before the shooting actually happened. Uh, Chief Newman, you were so right. There, there were. I, I, I was initially thought that they were cops, but yes, you got uniforms in, in plain view of this guy holding the gun, and they're just oblivious to it. And he could have taken out like at least three of them by my count. Uh, Captain Bartlett, I think words do count, and I think that everything comes out of your face on the job. You have to assume that at some point it's going to be played in a criminal court of trial or, or civil, civil court. You know, at Tampa Police and, and a lot of other, it's, we came up with a standard, standard verbalization, stop police, don't move. And in our career, we've heard cops say some really weird things. I remember my favorite is, hey, hey, don't get stupid. Like, the guy's going to go, oh, well, I was going to, but since you told me not to get stupid, I'm going to change my ways right about now, okay? Or the ever, the ever popular, don't make me shoot you. Policemen need to be trained that... Just like pulling a gun is an automatic trained response to a stimulus, the words that come out of your head need to be a trained response as well. There need to be some standard things that you say no matter what, because um, it, who knows that when this goes to, if ever went to court, uh, what did you tell my suspect? Oh, I told him to drop that HIT, bro. Well, what, what does that mean, officer? What does that mean? What, what, what commands were you giving my, my client? Oh, I meant for him to put the gun down. Well, that's not what he got out of all this. Okay. I used to teach my cops this. When that gun comes out of your holster, your feet are moving and your gums are flapping. And what you're saying is stop, police, don't move. Standard response. All right. You've got it down, Captain. Thank you very much. Anybody else, guys, before we move on? 
All right, I see David smiling, so he must have liked something that you said, Captain. <laughs> all I can picture is, 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 is the guy saying, I was reaching for my pants. I was trying to pull my pants down to try. <laughs> Uh, I, I, sorry, just one of those things. Me and uh, Brett working the bottom, working, working the south end. <laughs> cop humor, cop humor. All right, policeone.com, redvoicemedia.com, then blue line TV. It's a video involved. Deputy narrowly avoids point blank gunfire. Guys, this was all over uh, TV this week. Uh, Warren County, Ohio. Newly released video shows a man shot at a Warren County Sheriff's deputy at his door before she, it was a female deputy, before she fired back at him. Now, the Warren County Sheriff's Office, they released um, on Tuesday, it was a, a doorbell camera video. And uh, so I'm thinking it's like the ring or something, which I have. And it captured the split-second actions of Deputy Sarah Vaught on February the 15th uh, while she was just doing a welfare check at a residence. And... The guy's name is Lance C. Reunion. So, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, you can't pull people over for anything unless there's criminal violations and stuff like this. I get in debates on YouTube all the time. And then and welfare checks is, is kind of like the, uh, the the forgotten one, you know, and we do a lot of them in law enforcement. So uh, this happened in Deerfield Township, though. So, uh, so Vod's a deputy. She tries a few times to get someone to open the door before a handgun is pointed out the door and a shot's fired at her as she ducks in the front porch. Now she fires five shots. Three backup officers go into the house with their weapons drawn and they secure reunion or bad guy who was taken to an area hospital. So the deputy, the female deputy was not injured and she recently returned to full duty and reunion or bad guy. He remains under guard at University of Cincinnati Medical Center. His condition's improving and due to his medical condition, investigators do not know when he'll be able to make a court appearance on attempted murder and felonious assault charges that have been filed against him. Now it goes on to say that according to the calls for service, the suspect was slurring his speech, sent a message to family saying that he loved them. So the caller, who's the man's brother, said the man indicated that he had taken something and just wanted to go to sleep. So he indicated that there were guns in the house, but he did not believe that he would harm anyone or himself with the weapons. And then, of course, you saw how that went down. So uh, comments on that video, guys? We've got a little over five minutes. David, you want to start us off? Yeah, famous last words. He, he, would, he would never, he's a good person. He would never hurt anyone. Um, a, you want a you want a, a good story about a near miss for police one? Get that cop on the on the show. B, what I said earlier about why do you do the things that you do when you approach a building or approach a, a doorway? Um, why did I stand to the side of the couch? Why do we do any of this sort of stuff? It's the, it's the training and experience you get. I didn't see in the article anywhere that told me how much time she had on or you know where she was in her career or any of that kind of stuff. I don't think that really mattered, but somewhere in there, it had been drilled into her head that you don't stand in front of a door. You put yourself in, a, in the best tactical position you possibly can. I don't care if you're there looking for a lost cat, a welfare check, a welfare check. We were checking on you. How are you doing? Can we help you? you okay. Whatever. And a gun comes out the door because of her actions, because of her preparation on approaching that doorway is what saved her life. She wasn't standing in front of the door. She was on the she was on the correct side of the door in a position that caused anybody coming out of that door to have to manipulate the gun around to try to shoot her, and it saved her life. Um, 
another one of those lessons that you that she that and she survived the lesson um or survived the test i'm sorry survived the test and got the lesson the rest of us i hope everybody in law enforcement got that lesson um just one of those things you watch and go that's why we tell you that's why i yelled at those at those at those rookie cops get the f out in front of that door um that's why exactly great job on her part good words and and david David, David is a is a he retired as a corporal, but one of the best street cops I know. He knows his stuff, so that that means a lot coming from David, uh, Chief Newman, Captain Brett. Go ahead. You know, a couple of things. I want to say something too, Chip. You're reading from the Police One article that was very very thorough. I was a bit disappointed by the other article because it says deputy survives a shooting from the homeowner. Like we knocked on the wrong damn door. It doesn't really doesn't go into the welfare check nearly as well as Police One did. Not only, first of all, there's a couple things. And Brett, on a throwback, I remember having a conversation with Byrne about if, you know, how people miss. And if you're right-handed and, you know, chances are as you begin to move your hand to the right, the, your, your shots are going to go up and away. She went down to one knee. Dave, she, she got in the pocket, baby. Look at the deputies that are behind her. Because they, they, they are all still by, they're still surprised and she's locked in. She went down to a knee, took a tactical stance, and returned fire like within a second and a half. She's a freaking rock star for all the things that Dave talked about. But more importantly, she does the things that we take for granted. She's on the right side of the door. She didn't take the call lightly. It looks like it's the worst environment possibly, you know, freezing their butts off in the snow. And she knocks on the door. If this guy was going to kill himself, why they're doing the welfare check to begin with, and he... What makes him think that, well, the sleeping pills or these things won't do it? Maybe a cop will kill me. I've got no idea. But he came out guns a-blazing. She did all the right things that she's supposed to do. She's a friggin' rock star. And I just wish the, uh, I think it was Red, the Red Voice Media would have covered it a little bit better like Police One did. Thanks, Chief. Captain? Yeah, I watched this several times. And what I noticed was her drop to the ground was not an uncontrolled flop like we've seen in some videos where, where people are overwhelmed with the situation, their body just shuts down. They just, they go to the ground because that's the body, that's all it's got. She went down to that knee, she was controlled. That gun came up immediately. I don't know who trained her, and, and, and but, but man, they need to get a medal and good for her for doing the right thing. Um, she, she had nowhere to go. And, and look, look how little time it took to make that decision and, and do that. That's what's still incredible to me is that we have people out there doing this job that are trained and they know how to react. And I bet in her mind, she was going, well, screw this. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this guy. I'm taking this guy. She had nowhere to go. If she had turned her back and ran, he probably could have continued shooting in that same direction and got her. She got out of line of fire. She went down below the X, got that gun out, fired a couple of hits. Maybe she thought I'm not gonna hit him, but I'm damn sure gonna disorient him. I gotta launch some lead at him. Maybe that'll be enough to stop him. And that all happened that fast. Yeah, you got you got to love it, Captain. You know, it all boils down to training. I think you'll agree. It just reverted to her training, and uh, yeah, she's obviously got had some good training. So, totally agree with you. Hey guys, let's uh, take another commercial break, and we will be right back. 
hey, I want to take a minute to tell you guys how best to watch our show. Now, we do our live show every Monday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Now, we are on Vimeo, and we are also, besides Vimeo, also streaming to YouTube and also to Facebook. I've checked. We've got all those streams active now, so thank God it's finally working the way it's supposed to. Uh, now, we're also on Rumble, and they're actually getting uh, live streaming coming to Rumble. They just haven't started it yet. And in addition to all these, uh, we're also on Thin Blue Line TV, which is at redvoicemedia.com. Uh, Ray Dietrich uh, hooked us up. So please check them out if you haven't been there before. Uh, again, it is uh, redvoicemedia.com. Great resources. I know John Newman just made reference to one of the articles, uh, but check them out. They're carrying all of our uh, segment videos, five of those uh, a week. So um, we appreciate their support. Redvoicemedia.com. Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Show. We're back to it. And let's see, is there anybody else on the last one, or are we ready to move on to another topic? Why not? Oh, hey, Chip, 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 can I ask you a favor? I'm not Chip. sure what you're doing. It's your, it's your show. Oh, it's Chip. your show. We're, ju we're just eye candy. Go, go ahead. Show you're the my video of the guy with the stick. Look, look. Show the video. We just saw the rock star, right? Show the video of the guy with the stick. And let's just compare the two. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Montgomery County, Maryland. Oh yeah. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. I'm throwing you. No, I'm, producer Will's looking at the producer Will's looking at the transcript. You you weren't prepared. I threw you for a loop. I just think there. I think with, to Brett's comment earlier, there it's all about training. I, and I'm not sure who trained the guy. Eventually, he took he took care of business ten times. But um, well, how many I got times? It. How many? Okay, I got it. You know, it's it's. It's the main. It's the. It's our fourth main topic. So I'm just going to kind of jump ahead a little bit for people that are, uh, you know, watching us from Facebook. But yes, I will do that. It, it's it's on policeone.com now. Caliber Press they covered it first. It's called Ten Rounds to the Chest and Still Coming. So um, I'm sure this is what you're talking about, John, because it used that video in this article. Now it, it starts off and uh, golly, uh, Scott uh, Burmaster wrote it. Pretty good article. Many cops share two common nightmares. One's related to their sidearm, and the gun is stuck in the holster. The trigger won't respond no matter how hard you pull it, or the bullets just fall out of the gun. And the other nightmare is someone who's bearing down on them, intent to kill, and their rounds have no effect on the bad guy. And so then they make reference to the video, which is what Chief John's talking about. Now, immediately in this video, after the suspect, who's our bad guy, he grabs the large stick and it's kind of like a, a staff. He grabs this. The deputy begins backing up, but his gun's drawn, and it's pointed at the bad guy. And you've also got a guy narrating, our video, videographer is narrating, a civilian video. Now, during the encounter, the deputy backs up for 20 seconds straight. Now, this is with a guy approaching him, coming at him with a stick, and then he starts hitting him. But that's a long time, particularly under extreme stress. So why did he back up? In the article, he says, because he absolutely did not want to shoot the crazed attacker backing up as a form of attempted de-escalation, as David could certify, but the man continued the attack. So 15 seconds later, suspect takes his first swing of the deputy, breaks the stick in half over the cop's forearm, and a second later, he beats him again with the remaining half of the stick. 
It's getting interesting, right? So now during the attack, the deputy uh, keeps his gun in his right hand, presumably strong, his, uh, his strong hand, and uses his left arm to shield himself. Now, the blows to that left forearm are strong, very strong. You can see that the suspect, who's considerably bigger than the deputy and in good shape, he's putting full force into the swings. Now, that kind of impact to a forearm or a hand could be crippling. Thankfully, the deputy was able to blade himself, protect the gun hand from the blows. But what if he could not? What if the gun hand or the forearm was incapacitated? would have been a big issue, maybe a life-altering issue. So after 20 seconds of pursuing the retreating deputy, the suspect takes one last swing with the stick, and then the deputy begins to fire. Now here, though, is where the real nightmare begins. The suspect is within inches of the deputy when he begins to absorb rounds. And absorb is the perfect description because within six seconds, the deputy fires 12 rounds directly into the suspect's chest at point-blank range. Now right up until the last round hits the bad guy, the suspect, the bad guy, is grinning defiantly and he's marching uh, forward at the deputy unflinchingly. So if you didn't hear the pops of the rounds on the video, you wouldn't even know that the guy had been hit because he just acts like he's not even hit, like nothing's affecting him. So after the deputy fires his 12th shot, the suspect falls down, he's conscious, and he's gasping for air with his eyes open, left hand twitching, and the man has taken a dozen point-blank rounds to the chest, and then he finally falls down, though. So officers of similar situations have virtually all said that they were asking themselves the same troubling questions. How can I be missing this guy? And they are primed to believe that direct hits will result in immediate physical reactions, including falling to the ground and ceasing the attack. What happens when someone's hit on TV shows and the movies? Blood spurts out. Bad guy goes flying backwards. He's knocked off his feet. But what happens in real life? And that is completely different. So that's where we're at. We got about two and a half minutes, guys, to discuss this. Captain Bartlett, you want to start us off? Yeah, I go back to my original thought about that uh, study that 100% of guys coming at me with a big old stick, if I shoot them between the running lights, they won't reoffend. Well, obviously, this guy needed to be shot in the face because the body shots weren't working. You know, uh, uh, I've read a lot of good stuff. I haven't come up, I've read a lot of good stuff about why bullets don't work. The only way to instantly incapacitate a bad guy is to put a bullet in his brain. If he shoots that bad guy in the heart, study shows he's got 15 seconds or more of oxygenated blood in his brain, he's still moving, okay? So you shoot him in the chest, he's gonna die, but it didn't, it didn't take effect right away. Shoot till you hit, shoot till it works. His bullets weren't working. He should have raised those front sights a little bit and put a shot right through that guy's nose to bring him down. Now, I'm not gonna talk about body shapes because I've lost my cat like agility and I, okay? But I, I just picked up on a little, watching that deputy, I'm thinking that's not a road warrior there. I'm just, you know, that could be hateful speech, but I'm just picking up on that. He's wow. holding that gun with one hand. He's, he's not backing up tactically. He is lurching backwards, lurching backwards. There was no controlled movement to the rear. It was a lurch backwards. I don't think he was in control of himself in this situation. Just a thought. Oh, that, that's 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 just beautiful, uh, beautiful Captain Brett. Hey, MVS, uh, and I, I, I just saw you made a donation, so uh, a, a very nice uh, donation. So thank you very much. It's probably because Captain Brett is over there on YouTube keeping you company while you're watching. So I've been watching you guys talk. So thanks, Captain, for taking care of uh, Mike, MVS. Um, is uh, I guess Chief Newman, you're ready to, to get on this too. I'm curious uh, what you have to say. You got about 45 seconds, Chief. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I can see the clock. You know, I, I know the purpose of the video was like your worst nightmare come true, but I just compare it tactically. It's like the guy a few weeks ago with, you know, the big fire stick in the car, right? At what point, look, sticks are heavy. They break bones. You know, I wish the guy taking the video camera was his, was his corner guy. You know what I mean? Shoot. What was the guy saying in the video? I'm like, shoot him, shoot that. And he used his profanity, shoot him. I, I, a lay person is saying, shoot this guy. And the guy had that crazed look. I'm sure he had mental health issues, but he was, you know, he's taking the chance that his left arm is going to absorb the shot. I, w I was disappointed by it. And then the. All right. Hey, thank you, Chief. Look, we're going to take another commercial break, guys. We'll be right back. Hey, I want to take an opportunity to tell everybody about our radio stations. Now, we've hired Joe Spera. He's a radio syndicator. We are on 11 stations now. So let's start off with the Boss Hog Radio Network. Uh, they are east of Tampa, so they are, they've got what, four AMs and one FM. They're in Bushnell, Lakeland, Plant City, Winter Haven, and in Avon Park. So we love Boss Hog Radio. Hopefully, uh, we'll be appearing with them at the Plant City uh, uh, Festival coming up soon. We're also on uh, WBCF, and uh, they've got an AM and an FM in Florence, Alabama. And KYAH, they've got an AM in Delta, Utah. Now, we're still on Good Talk Radio, Internet Radio, AMFM247.com, uh, Internet Radio. They're a new acquisition. And then ThreeRiversBroadcasting.com, Internet Radio. And they just came on board syndicating our show. So we've got some great stuff going on. And there will be some uh, more announcements coming in the very near future. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Uh, great content, guys. Is there anything else from anybody before we go on to the next topic? Apparently there is, because Chief Newman has his mic open. Go ahead, Chief. Last thing, last when we talked about the deputy that you know did a great job, got in the pocket, down a tactical stance, return fire, good training. Everyone said she probably was trained very well. There's nobody in that agency, I submit to you, in the last video, that is teaching someone to take a whack by a crazy man holding a giant stick. There's no training for that. We don't train for that. We, we tell you completely different things like if they should raise it and go to hit you, you need to return fire. This guy took an, uncalc uh, an uncalculated risk unnecessarily, and it almost cost him because when the guy, he, he's point blank, he could reach out and stick the gun in his chest when he returns fire. I doubt very much that that agency is teaching that deputy to put his hand up to absorb the blow of a giant stick rather than use deadly force. I think it's fair. This is fairly safe to say that most of us on the show would not have waited. We would not have taken a hit with that freaking stick before we used deadly force. And we would have been completely justified too. But captain Barlett, do you agree? I, I, I predict that this video is going to be the 2021. Oh, don't say a national training video oh, of, of how, how, to not do things, it's going to go global. And I, you know, the best this deputy, this officer can do is, is first, thank God he's alive because it could turned out differently. And to use his mistakes as as a way to tell other people, hey, don't do what I did. <laughs> okay, right? Don't do what I did. Do better than me. Do better than this. Because sometimes y'all, we need examples of what not to do. And this is going to be. 
I'm predicting the 2021 video of the year crap not to do on the street. Now, Captain Bartlett, I, I know you you say that, but we just covered an article about uh, the left's version of de-escalation and what they expect. Do you not think that you're going to have that group saying, this is what we want? We want cops to take those <laughs> hits before they use deadly force. Yeah, right on. Keep talking, you, you libtards. Keep on talking. Right. But, I mean, think about it. But your, son, your son's still active. You wouldn't want him taking hit, hits like that before he could use deadly force. Listen, I have a funny feeling, a funny feeling, that my son, who's trained by me, <laughs> would have would have taken care of this guy's hash. Okay? Because my son knows this. He gets to go home to his family at the end of the day. He gets to go home to his children and my grandchildren. And he's not going to let a POS like this end that. And he's not going to let pressure from behind stop him from ending that. Okay? If he shot that guy and killed that guy and they raised hell and he got fired, you know what? He's alive and my my son uh, is still alive and, and their father is still alive. Beautiful. That's just the way it is. You can do another job, y'all. There, there's something to do, but you got to go home at the end of the day. You can't tell me that between this guy's lack of training, he also had in his mind, wow, I'm, I'm in Maryland, okay? That's that's the, uh, you know, all they need on the Maryland flag is the hammer and sickle. To, you know, to complete the communist state picture. So don't tell me he wasn't thinking, what's going to happen to me when I pull the trigger on this guy? Okay, I believe that was part of his thought process. Another part was, I'm not really sure what to do here. It was a, it was a perfect, well, a less than perfect storm of, of problems coming together right there at that moment. You're probably right. All right, Captain, thank you. Hey, guys, let's go. And uh, I do want to get something at the Tampa Police Department after a couple of videos, but we've only got six minutes and 40-some seconds. So let's get cruising here. Police1.com and redvoicemedia.com, Thin Blue Line TV. Now, this video, NYPD officers narrowly avoid a knife-wielding man. So we're in New York, of course, a domestic violence suspect. He reached for a 13-inch long kitchen knife, and this... You can kind of read it, um, but it, it's, it sparked a heart-stopping confrontation at a Brooklyn apartment in which one NYPD officer opened fire. The body camera footage was released on this on Tuesday. So neither Tyrone Owens, who's 39 years old, nor the two uniform officers were hurt in the January 4th incident. So I don't know how Tyrone Owens wasn't hurt, but Owens has been charged with attempted murder, weapons possession, and endangering the welfare of a child. Owens was inside the apartment and threatening um, the woman that called 911, she told the operator that her, her uh, year-old son was also there. Body cam footage shows the woman uh, caller in the hallway as officer uh, Khalif Alicott knocks on the door, trying to get Owens to answer. The woman eventually opens the door herself. Uh, Alicott steps inside. You know, that's her cop and uh, questions Owens. But moments later, Owens reaches for his rear waistband, swings at the officer with what police said was a 13-inch kitchen knife with an 8-inch blade Officer steps back. Then the footage then shows Owens moving toward Officer Tala Ahmed, who steps back down the hallway, fires three times, and Owens can be seen on the ground, but he wasn't struck by the by any bullets. So, uh, any comments on that on that on that video? Um, this is NYPD, but not great shooting, David. I don't know. I, you know, and Brett's brought this up a number of times, and there's something coming up. I don't know. We'll get to it about a, a, a law they're trying to pass in Kentucky, but. What is it with these with these cops getting so close to these people? 
I mean, well, what, David, whatever happened to David, arms? Whatever happens to whatever happened to at least arms length? But David, I mean, if they get closer, they they won't miss the shots. They they need to get closer so they can hit their targets. No, no, no that, that's not the case at all. I'm sorry. That to begin with. And this is another example of you never know what's going to happen when you pull the trigger. They didn't even hit this guy and he fell on the ground like he was shot eight times. <laughs> We're our own worst enemies. This is going to be used by the libtards, as Brett said. Say, listen, see, you don't even need to shoot him in the leg. Just shoot in their general direction, they'll fall down. I mean, this is just in, this is just New York, New York City at its finest. Just a fine right. job, you morons. All right. <laughs> Thanks, David. Okay, we got four minutes left. I, I want to do this last video and then the uh, TPD thing. So policefund.com, redvoicemedia.com, Thin Blue Line TV, body cam. Queensman shoots two NYPD officers determined uh, to kill his wife. Now, uh, New York City Police Department's Public Information Division, they just released the body cam footage of the incident. There were two NYPD cops that were shot in a domestic violence call. November the 24th, last year, 2020, mid-afternoon, NYPD uniformed officers, Christopher Wells, Joseph Murphy, they were in the domestic violence unit in the 105th precinct. They fired actually 24 shots at Rondell uh, Goppy. He's 41 years old. He's the bad guy. He was armed with two guns, a Glock 22, which I know Brett knows he's you know, by 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 heart, a uh, 40 caliber pistol and a Smith and Wesson uh, M&P Shield nine millimeter. The victim reported having uh, seen, I guess, having been assaulted by Goppy, and the cops responded to the residence with the victim inside uh, the dwelling. The cops are talking with the victim. Suspect approaches the front door of the residence, opens a glass door. This is when they're dealing with the victim. He comes in the door and he starts shooting at them with the Glock. So the suspect continues into the residence. He fires 11 times. He shoots Officer Wells in the right thigh and then Officer Murphy in both hands. And the funny thing is, is that, not funny, but the cop that was shot in both hands actually shot at the bad guy 15 times. The other one shot nine times. They struck him in the upper left chest, left flank, lower left back, left foot, and the right foot. So uh, I don't believe that he survived. Any comments on that video, guys? It's a wild video to watch. David? <clears throat> You know, again, horrific. I, in the end, both guys did a good job of saving their own lives and saving this woman's life. But the, the lead up to it, these two guys are in the domestic violence unit and they're standing around in this house. They've just escorted a woman back who'd been assaulted by a guy who she's told them has guns. And they're standing around in this house as if it's like, man, it's another day, yeah, whatever. The guy, one guy's got his back to the door. The other guy's talking to the woman over here as the guy's coming up the steps. Get your head out of your collective butts and watch your dang six. I've never seen anything like this before. It was right. just unconscionable. Just get your head in the game, will you guys? Thanks, Dave. Last one. And we'll see, we're on policeone.com. Tampa Police, where a number of us uh, have worked uh, together, uh, Tampa Police Union is finding the, uh, the firing of a black officer who used a racial, a racial slur. It was the N-word. And uh, so the Tampa PBA Police Benevolent Association, uh, they're talking about Officer Delvin White. He's a school resource officer. He was at Middleton High School. Uh, they have a PBA spokesperson, Danny Alvarez, which says they're going to fight it. They think that, not that he didn't do anything wrong, but they think the penalty of being fired is, uh, is, is too harsh. And then Chief Brian Dugan said that uh, it was a difficult decision, uh, but in the way that it was done and that he used the, the – um, the, the words he thinks the guy needs to be fired. So that's kind of where we're at. I'm going to cut through the rest of the article and just uh, get to the, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, there they call it a B-1-2. 
you, we all know that there's certain things you cannot say and keep your job, but we have her justification for black officers using some of these racially charged uh, words that maybe they go over easier than a white guy saying it. Captain Brett? If you're not smart enough to not say the word, now we can argue for, for decades whether a word should get you fired. It doesn't matter. The policy says that's what's going to happen. It's been in place for a long time. 15 seconds. And if you're not smart enough to not say it, then, then you get what you get. We'll be right back after this commercial break. talk to everybody about our uh, podcast that we do. Now, we've got huge podcast formats. I don't talk about them a lot, but we've got 11 podcast formats now. So 11 ways you can really watch a show. Now, it's being pushed by law enforcement today, but we have an RSS feed, so very important. And I think the uh, other next big one is the uh, Apple podcast. So we are also on Apple, you know, the iTunes. Now, besides the iTunes and the RSS feed were on Anchor, and that's our main staple. So Anchor kind of distributes it out to everybody for us. We're on Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. So all the major podcast networks that we're on. So if you're driving around and you want to listen to the show and check out the podcast format, take advantage of it. We're trying to get our podcast you know, audience to grow as well. So um, check it out, guys. Other ways to watch the show. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Um, is there anybody else on that last segment? Is everybody done on that? Then we will move on. So let's see. Coming up here, I've got another main story. Um, it's on Police One, and it's by Chief Joel Schultz, and he writes good stuff as well. I've got a little over nine minutes. So every cop needs a checkup from the neck up. Now, the funny thing is, is there's really two articles. They kind of... Uh, back-to-back -back or talking around about the same thing. So I'm going to cover both of them real quick. So the first one by Chief Joel Schultz talks about the ratio of positive contacts to negative contacts in policing varying from shift to shift and agency to agency. But he talks about the negativity can win the day, and it can cling to you, follow you home, and worse, get inside your head. He says that we all know not to bring the job home and that it's sometimes hard uh, I, I guess a hard discipline to follow, but what happens if your whole character has slowly changed? And he asked that in the form of a question. So he talks about blaming your faults on the job and blaming uh, PTSD, uh, blaming everybody else and ignoring subtle warnings from people who care. Talks about narcissism. And uh, lastly says, this isn't just a run of bad luck or a rough season. It's a possible relationship ending, career ending, life ending problem that you need to resolve. So um, I think we all know people from the career that are like that. Now this next one is written by Jennifer Gastelum and it's why our brains fixate on the bad. So just kind of talking about what Chief Joel Schultz just did and, uh, and says that she's also got suggestions on what to do about it. 
So it talks about uh, what is negativity effect, and a negativity effect is the brain's tendency to be impacted more by negative events than positive ones, and the brain registers, focuses, stores, and recalls negative events much more readily than it does positive ones. And studies have shown that the brain's electrical activity actually increases when it focuses on negative stimuli as compared to positive. And according to a neuro, uh, psych, uh, I guess a psychologist, uh, Dr. Rick Hansen, the mind is like Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive ones. I like the way they put that. So negative negativity effect, it can be seen in the following. So when I read these off, and you're an uh, active performer, Leo. See which one of these apply to you. Um, Brett's probably going to get a checklist out here. So noticing, number one, noticing negative events and recalling them more vividly than positive ones. Number two, dwelling on negative events, including uh, when you're daydreaming. Three, giving more importance and weight to negative events. Uh, four, focusing on the negative, even if the negative event is insignificant. Five, remembering insults and criticism more than praise. Number six, being skeptical of new people, places, or things, which has got me written all over it. Uh, and lastly, making decisions based on avoiding negative results. Um, it also talks about negativity effect in law enforcement. Many of the traits of neg uh, negativity effect are critical components of officer safety. Individuals working in law enforcement have trained their brains to constantly look for potential threats or what is wrong. Thus, those working in law enforcement have a fine-tuned negativity effect. While negative, while negativity effect is critical while on duty, it can lead to negative consequences if an officer's or in an officer's personal life. Um, and she talks about how to overcome it, different things you can do. We'll have links to these articles underneath the video that producer will put on there. But uh, Chief Newman, go ahead. Yeah, Chip. Um I mean, I thought the article was pretty good. I mean, I really never got mad when you called me fat. I mean, I never called you short. I didn't take it personal. You know, I like everybody on the panel except the old guys. So the hell with each and every one of you. But I really like being retired. I mean, I like sitting at home and just counting the minutes till the show starts again so I can tell you that you're all ugly. You know, thanks, Chief. I, 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 and I you know, we take it in. In, in jest, but seriously, on a serious level, though, you know, my my wife helps keep me grounded. Um, a lot of those things that I just read off, they've got, like I said, they've got me written all over them. And, and you know, I'm suspicious of new people that, that pop up in my life. I have a tendency to think that, you know, like when Brett and I worked together doing organized crime, public corruption stuff, I used to assume that every new person I met was was infiltrating trying to get close to me or get information on me or inside information on i mean i just you just get very suspicious over people and it's hard to get out of that um and then you're always on heightened alert david i don't think that's a bad thing i don't think you do either i mean when i walk into a room i still have to sit in a certain location i scan the room you know and the people around me tables everywhere i mean you just i think that that's leads to longevity even if you're prior law enforcement and i like john's uh hand verbalization therefore so uh andrea uh go ahead and, and pipe on in here and then david i think that typically i think you're right i don't i think a lot of that is just how we end up being i think that's kind of how we develop i do think that law enforcement affects our careers and different things like that to be honest with you i don't think i focused on the negative as much now that i'm like before i retired to now when i am retired I think that it was kind of, you know, you took every day for what it was, but now I, I know that those negative events that happened in my career, now they're kind of magnified that I know that, you know, that kind of um, has made me who I am now. But I, I don't think at the time, I think it was, you know, day in and day out, you knew that you would have situations that 
man, you know what? That day kind of stunk, but you kind of left it there. And then you kind of keep on going. But I do think that now I, I remember a lot of those negative things. And I'm like, you know, why am I so jaded? You know, what, what days do I remember mostly in my career? What things, you know, I always say, you know, there are certain events watching. I watched somebody burn alive, you know, now that affects me more than when I was actually on the street. So I, I think that, you know, we start to realize once you get out of it, you're like, eh, what made me who I am today? All right, thanks, Andrew. You're getting a lot of a popping on your on your microphone too, some interference like with the connection. But uh, Corporal David, you got uh, three and a half minutes. Yeah, they, they were they were good articles, um, and 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 John made those points, you know, in in his little speech perfectly. I mean, we all those things that you talk about, that we talk about, that that the things in our careers that that affected or influenced the way that we see the world. Um, after having been out of it for since what 2013, um, the there, there but there is there's a softening. It's still there. You can you can bring it back up. You can turn it back on. Um, I do it on purpose sometimes, but then there's other times when you just kind of let it go by. Uh, I imagine it's it's always in the background for us being retired. But for the guys that are guys and girls that are still active in the job, uh, John has said it before. Um, uh, you said it, Chip, about being grounded by family that that is close to us, and I think that the articles are germane to those that are still in the job and should be taking taken seriously. But then again, as she as one of the authors said, a lot of the stuff is what keeps you alive you know, going down that dark alley uh, in the middle of the night. So there's a po the, the positive negative sides of this is is kind of right down the middle. So it, it, even though there's there may be negative effects, I think that if if you're just aware of it, if you're a student of the game of the mental game that law enforcement has to carry, uh, you can do the job, do it well, do it safely, do it aggressively and um, effectively and leave what you need to leave behind, compartmentalize the rest, and, I don't know, drink yourself to sleep every once in a while? What, is, is that a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Hey, hey, Brett, does your, you know, my wife was always telling me that I need to be a nicer person. That's her main criticism. And I, I it, it's, it's, it's from the law, David's laughing, but I'm sure I, and I know people, you know, you see, no, it's on the not. Show, She's, you, she okay. said you need to be a taller person, not a nicer person. That's what she said. Well, you, she did tell me that the next guy she marries will be, will be tall and, and have dark hair. I know, but. Oh, crap. But, uh, but here I am losing my hair. Damn it. I know. I don't worry. <laughs> Ron McMullen's already a step ahead of you. Uh, I'm still trying to delete her. I don't know how he got all of her cell phone number, but yeah, that's another nightmare. But but Captain Brett, we've got a minute and 16 seconds. Go ahead. I don't I don't think I've ever heard that from my wife. But what I think is this: if you, if you're not mature enough to know when to turn it on and off, that's when people get into trouble. When they get stuck in it and they can't hit the off switch, that's when bad things happen. But you know, I I can go from just hanging around the house to to looking at something on the street, and I'll. I'll say, tell Mary Lou, did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Of course, now it's 30 seconds behind us. You know, did you see that? No, did, you didn't notice that? So it, I, I'm glad that I can turn it off when I want to, can turn it on when I need it. All right, guys, we've got uh, 32 seconds. So is there anybody else on this one? I'm not really going to cover 
you know another topic but um thank you to the panel guys that was a uh that was a lot of good input from you guys a shout out to our sponsors uh we've got gunlearn.com extra duty solutions Freddie weapon technologies and guardian alliance technologies and hey boss hog radio network good talk radio wbc up in alabama we got live free tv we're powered by exip and uh, hey, we've got um, all those additional uh, radio sponsors as well. So, uh, you know, also welcome KYAH, Good Talk Radio, AM, FM, 247, Three Rivers Broadcasting. Thanks to everybody and hope our fan club has a wonderful and a safe week.